This is the Pick of the Bunch by Basic Bananas, where we share the pick of the bunch when it comes to marketing, business, and people. Welcome back. This is Christo here. In this episode, I am having a chat with Michael Osset. He owns a business called Strand Property Group. So this session, this podcast is about property investing for business owners. So if you've got cash or at some stage you'd like to have cash, which you're going to use to invest, his advice is to invest in property and he goes through what kind of properties to look for, uh, there's the right kind of strategies to approach or the right ways to approach property investing and some pitfalls to avoid. So some really interesting tips and tricks, which I think is an awesome episode for anyone who's interested in building their financial portfolio, basically building your wealth. So a really cool episode and he's, he's really generous with his information and just I think you could listen to this episode and get a lot out of it just enough to almost start sourcing the first property uh, his services is assisting people to find their investment properties and so on so he's in the market he's in the mix and um, share some really you know gold nuggets I reckon in this episode so enjoy the show if property investing is something that is of interest to you and uh, if you have any questions about the show feel free to email through to admin at basic bananas or message us on any of our social media platforms. We'll look after you there. If you love the show, please do go on and leave us a review on iTunes, and we will be stoked. We'll be doing a happy dance, and we may even send you a special little gift in the mail if you take a screenshot of that review and email it through to us. That would be awesome. Enjoy the show. Michael, welcome to the show. Hey, Christo. Good to be here. Thank you. And um, we're going to talk, so property investing for business owners and uh, and how to go about it. So I imagine there's a few different scenarios that, you know, our listeners have. And I know I've been through these in different levels as well, where sometimes you've, you might have cash and you, you want to do something with it. Other times you're looking at cash flow going, how can I change things for my future, you know, and uh, so that I'm going to be in a better situation down the track. Right? And I don't want to, you know, be on the hamster wheel for the next 10 years, 20 years, and then walk away or put my head above, you know, reach up, finally get my head above water and look at where I'm at. And I'm in the same position as I was 20 years ago. Um, so a good idea to move, well, I guess in your opinion. Yeah, no, definitely. Move um, money to property. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, property uh, investing is, is like running a business in a way. Um, a business, you know, you're trying to build it, um, grow it, leverage other people, and property investing is, is very much the same. Um, you put in your money into something else, uh, you're leveraging borrowed money, um, and hoping that uh, it grows in value and, and sets you up for the future. Um, mm. Yeah, that's one thing that actually has crossed my mind about property too. So the, um, the whole growth thing, if you're getting cash flow or you're going for growth and all that, so maybe we'll dig around a little bit on that as well and what your thoughts are. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so it. tell us, what, what, what are you kind of like, let's say, what's the typical way you would work with someone, just to paint the picture for the you know our guys listening in, um, a business owner looking at, you know, I got the idea, yeah, I wouldn't mind, I guess, investing in some property. Um, or just even getting my first one, or it could be, you know, someone that's established, but someone's just got the idea, yeah, I want to invest in property. What, what, what's, where do you go? Like, what do you do with them? 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So what we do with our clients is sit down and, uh, and really understand their personal situation. Everyone is in a different position in, in life, um, age, um, if they've got a business, whether um, you know, they, they might be employed, um, and everyone's got a different level of income. They've got a different level of assets behind them. So everyone's in a different position, and you've got to sit down and work out where you are now and what you want to achieve, and then work out how to get from A to B. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so we'll, we'll sit down with clients and work out um, yeah, what their borrowing capacity might be, how much money they've got behind them, and how much income might be coming through, uh, say, from the business. And uh, we'll get help from, say, a mortgage broker to work out how much they could borrow right now. And then we build a strategy around that. So, you know, what type of property is it? Is it a residential property, a commercial property? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do they need a cash flow from it immediately? Um, or is it a long-term strategy to build capital growth, mm. to actually build equity into the property, to set them up for when they might exit their visit business or retire down the track? Um, mm. But essentially, it's, it's really getting an understanding of the person's individual circumstances because everybody is nice. different and there's not yeah. one size fits all approach to property. Bummer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, there might be people out there, you know, trying to sell property and saying this is ideal for everybody mm. when it's not. You know, mm. it might be ideal for 1% of the market. Mm. And that's the trap some people fall into. Yeah. They get led down the garden path. Yeah. as opposed to understanding what's right for them, for them yeah. from the outset. Yeah, this is interesting. I find it really interesting because it's a almost like a question that's bothered me for a long time is buy a property that's more expensive, that's likely to go up in value, or buy four properties that are less expensive that get a better rent return. And I'm like, and I'm... I don't know the answer. Maybe you do, but I guess it's going to depend on your strategy. But how would you know which one to go when? Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It's the uh, it's the big question, and and it comes back to what you said before. Do you buy for cash flow? Do you buy for yield, a higher rent, or do you buy for capital growth? Um, and there's some people out there that chase capital, uh, chase cash flow. They want an income coming through every year um, so that the thing pays for itself. Um, but unfortunately, when you're talking you know, big picture, generally the higher cash flow properties don't grow in value mm. as much. And the reverse is, is, is often true. The higher capital growth properties have a lower rental yield. So the cash flow is not mm. as good. So you might have a ne- negative cash flow for that property each year. Mm. So you're actually investing money into it each year, just like you would invest money into your, into your business. Mm. But if you're getting a bigger capital growth out of it, usually over the long term, that produces a bigger net gain in dollars than, say, getting a better cash flow every year. Because if you get a high cash flow every year, that's great. It's money in your pocket every 12 months. But if things not going up in value, then you're just trading water. Mm. You're not using that leverage that you've got. So my biggest um, investment sort of fundamental strategy is to buy the property with the highest capital growth potential that has a cash flow that you can sustain personally. Ah, So you kind of work top down. Yeah, you go for the best property in the best area, the best growth potential, and work backwards to a, a cash flow that works. 
So obviously at a certain price point, it might be too high. So you bring that back to a price point that works for you mm. and then pair that up with a, with a cash flow or a yield that works. That might mean buying an apartment instead of a house. Um, yeah. It might mean moving a little bit further out from uh, closer into the city, say, because uh, generally closer you are to a CBD, um, the better capital growth that you get as a rule of thumb. Um, so rather than say going right out to the outskirts of a big city, you might then look at a smaller city like a Newcastle mm. um, or a Geelong outside of Melbourne. Interesting. Um, but looking for the same fundamentals where you want to be close to where people work, where people have businesses, where you've got lifestyle factors, um, close mm. to schools, transport, that kind of thing. Mm. Is that so? So they're the things you'd look for because, because I guess the question is, how do you find the the places that are, look the most likely to grow, like like you know have capital gains. So yeah, that means there's two, yeah, there's two ways of looking at. I mean, obviously you can look backwards and see what's happened in the past. Yeah, um, and in historically over decades, um, the data has shown us that you know the the blue chip areas or the areas close to your major centres are the ones that have the um, consistent growth over mm. time because that's where everybody wants to live. Yeah. Um, and um, the other way of looking at it is looking at areas that might have new infrastructure um, being spent on them. So that's not necessarily mm. outer-lying areas that are brand new. So the government's decided they're going to do a brand new subdivision, put in a brand new school, um, a train line. Sometimes that that can often uh, lead to good capital growth. But often if there's a big supply of land, mm. um, it's very subdued growth because you've got an endless supply of new properties available mm. and that puts a dampener on prices rising. Yeah. So a general rule of thumb is to be as close to the action as you can and choose areas that people really want to live in. Um, and for Sydney, for example, where we are here today, you know, that's the eastern suburbs, the lower North Shore, the northern beaches, which have got the lifestyle factors. People want to live close mm. to water, the ocean, yeah. um, you know, close to Manly with all the lifestyle factors that go on there. Um, and, th and then obviously have that proximity still back to the city if you've got people that obviously work in the, in the CBD. Yeah, you can get to Sydney, get to the big city without... Well, too much time. Might be an hour and a half on the bus each yeah, way, <laughs> but people do it. Exactly. Um, I get the ferry as well. It's a nice way to go. Yeah. We're lucky up here. We get to create our own bubble, bring Basic Bananas headquarters as close to North Narrabeen surf break as possible. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but we pay for it, as you've just said. Um, not cheap, unfortunately. Well, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, I guess it goes up and up and up because it's very limited supply around here that's right and that's that's what it comes back to as well and investment fundamental comes back to supply and demand mm. so one of our strategies is to buy in an area where there's very little supply mm. so that's either supply of new land subdivisions and new houses or a lack of supply of new apartments and i think the way that sort of australian cities will go in the future now is very much like europe and asia where we'll start building higher 
and higher mm. and will create more density through apartments. Um, so you've got to be careful of where those areas are. Mm. Um, in Sydney, for example, that's, you know, between the city and the airport, there's thousands of new apartments going up there. Yeah, right. In Parramatta, there's a lot of apartments. And even here on the beaches in, in DY, you're getting quite a few new apartments yeah. there. And they're kind of the risky hotspots mm. because you've got a supply of, of new property coming on board um, which is then competing with all of the existing properties yeah. that are there. Yeah, so you're kind of getting built out. Suddenly you buy something and just up and up and up they go. Yeah, Suddenly well, you've got tons of apartments. Right, and if you are an older apartment there and a new flashy one comes in mm. um, and there's an endless supply of those new ones, then it can put a dampener on the yeah. value of your place that you already gotcha. own there. Yeah. What other issues should people look out for? So, yeah, well, I mean, of, um, yeah, okay, a... I'm ready to go. I want to get this property thing underway and, um, you know, start building my portfolio or build it up even further. So what, what sort of issues should we look out for? Yeah, well, especially for business owners as well and, and small business owners, you, you might be coming, you know, from a standing start. You might have just established a business. You've invested some money into that. Um, and it can take, obviously, a few years for your business to build and you to get a decent income coming through from that. And one thing a lot of business owners do, um, obviously in conjunction with their accountant, is to try and reduce their taxable income each year. Mm. Um, and obviously that's, you know, a lot of business owners um, do that because they can start to wash expenses through the business um, and make it more efficient which is great from a business and an income perspective. You're mm -hmm. kind of minimizing your tax. You're not avoiding tax, mm -hmm. but trying to pay as little as possible. On the flip side, if you then go and see a bank or a broker and you want to borrow money, um, that can be detrimental to an extent because you've mm -hmm. got a lower taxable income each year, so therefore you can't borrow as much. Mm. So a good, um, a good tip for business owners, if they're thinking ahead and they want to buy a property, whether it's for themselves or to invest into, is to sit down with their accountant and the mortgage broker um, and kind of plan ahead. If you can do it 12 months ahead or even 24 months ahead, and then maybe adjust um, the numbers in your business for those next two years to try and maximize your income. Yep. to increase your borrowing capacity. So then gotcha. when it comes time to borrow money, yep. you're in the better position. Then after that, you can readjust your business income if you need to. Yeah, right. Um, so, you, so you're adjusting it as in uh, increase your personal income. Your salary, to look, yeah. yeah. Your own personal salary. So milk as much as you can out of it, put it through your personal income. You'll be paying tax, but you'll be in a better position after having two years. That's pretty much what they look at, right? Yeah. Two years of... Gen generally, it's two years of personal tax returns personal. and business returns. Um, yeah. If you're trying to um, use the business as justification for your serviceability, yeah. some banks will look at one year. Mm -hmm. um, and actually, at the moment, some banks will look at kind of like the um, FY16 or the FY17 mm. uh, returns. Um, so working with a good broker is a good tip there because they'll be able to pick and choose which are the best lenders uh, cool. to deal with rather than just going yeah. to, say, one bank yeah. and dealing with the, the loans manager there. Yeah. Go and sit down with an independent mortgage broker and they can look at a multitude of options for you Yeah. work out what, what's best for your solution. Nice. Okay, so let's say so. there's a couple of scenarios in there. There's someone whose personal income is like squat because they've been spending every expense through the business to reduce tax and um, 
and you know keep their income low but they're living off it so they might be living comfortably but it's all being run through as a business expense so they're in a situation where it's likely you got to get on good behavior for two years or talk to a broker and see mm. what the borrowing capacity is exactly yeah. otherwise they've got to get there get be, be a good boy or girl for two years um and that will help as well or if they're in a position to get something now it might help them get a second property or yeah or yeah. third or more or depending on what level that's we're talking. right yeah that's right and that, and that's the first step that we go through is work out what someone's borrowing capacity is yeah so then you know what position you are to yeah. buy um whether that looks like one property two properties or three properties Cool. Um, whatever it might be and um, and I suppose we're talking generally in terms of um, buying a, a property for the for the individual mm-hmm. so whether that might be for them to live in and, and this affects people who want to buy their next home or mm. buy an investment property um, the serviceability calculator um, applies to both yeah so as a business owner if you're thinking about buying your next home to live in you know the income coming through the business can impact that. Yeah. Um, but another thing that people look at in business owners is, is potentially buying a business premises as a commercial mm. property. And there's a few different ways to do yeah. that as well. Yeah, we talk about that? So, um, so there's different ways then. If, let's say you're at the point where you are, you're ready to buy um, or it's you know buying the next investment property. And so you could go, okay, residential, you know, or you could go, Let's buy the premises that the business is in or, mm. you know, what, what do we do there? What's, what do you think? Yeah, and um, it's an option a lot of people look at because as business owners, generally if you've got commercial or retail space, um, you're renting that from somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously a, an expense that you're running through the business each year. And some business owners, you know, decide, oh, why am I paying somebody else rent each year when mm. potentially I could own this building? Um, and then we, we can use it for ourselves. And, and if you're on that building, you you then potentially get in the capital growth of that investment through the years yeah. while your business is benefiting from the from the space. But again, there's, a, there's different ways of actually structuring that. Um, so the business, if they've got enough cash and um, serviceability within it, potentially the business can buy a commercial or retail premises um, outright and obviously borrow money to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. Often businesses don't have enough capital behind them to do that. So some people might look at buying uh, the premises through their personal superannuation fund, their self-managed mm-hmm. uh, superannuation. And that's a strategy some business owners do because they might have a lot of equity or, or cash within their super that they could potentially use. So they buy a commercial asset uh, within there, which is a personal benefit to them. But then what they can potentially do is uh, the business could rent that commercial premises from that person's from super. From the person's fund. super. Yeah. It's an excellent strategy. This, um, why didn't we do this? <laughs> <laughs> so we are, we are, and this is for Australian listeners too, right? Because I'm, I'm sure there'll be different setups with superannuation. Yeah. I don't know for US... Uh, listen, but definitely in Australia, as far as I know, we can um, we can invest our superannuation is our retirement fund that we can't access till whenever we retire, sixty five or something like that, and um, and you can use it to you can trade with it as well, right? You can use it on trade and use it on the stock market or um, buy properties, but you just can't withdraw anything or that rent that you receive uh you it goes into the superannuation fund right you can't take any anything out correct till yeah. you retire that's right um 
But that sounds like a, a wonderful way to do it. Uh, so you're kind of double dipping there. You get to own it, you get the capital gains, and the rent goes from you to your older you. That's right. <laughs> your yeah, future goes, you. It goes from one balance sheet to another <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. And a cautionary note on that as well is that you can't um, screw with the numbers doing that. So the business can't pay your um, super fund $1 rent per year. Damn it. Um, it does have to be yeah. justified for a, a market rate. No, um, yeah, right. Around a market rate. Because okay. that's, that's another cautionary note with self-managed uh, super. And it's something that we don't advise on and, and can't advise, but it's something you would go and see um, a certified accountant mm-hmm. um, and finan- financial planner that mm-hmm. deals with self-managed super and they can give advice on that um, but the uh, caution with it is that uh, with a self-managed super there's a lot of compliance and okay. extra accounting every year that you've got to go through so you've got to pay your accountant extra fees to manage it and you have to have it audited every year um, oh, right. So they will actually check the numbers and yeah. make sure that you're running it as a proper fund. Okay. It's not just a little side hobby. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and within super as well, lending can get a little bit more tricky. And in Australia at the moment, some of the banks are actually reducing their exposure to, to lending within oh, okay. super. Yeah. So there's a lot of nuances and complications with it. But um, but as a small business owner, it's, it's something to explore. If you are thinking about buying your business premises, yeah, definitely get advice on it from from an accountant and yeah. I guess planner. I guess something that kind of um, stops me a little bit, which might be a, um, on that sort of strategy. I like the idea of it, and maybe later in life, as I get closer to sixty five, um, if you're in a kind of a I don't know a decent cash flow situation or a fast growth industry or something like that, where you because I can't access it till I'm sixty five, and if I'm yeah. dead by the time I'm 50 <laughs> I went yeah. surfing too many big waves and um then I can't play with it right I can't touch any of that till, that's right unless I don't know you, you, I don't know the details but you, if you could sell it out of the super fund is that sell a super fund sells it back to someone else sells it back to the the now you probably not. no unfortunately no. not once something's within super it stays yeah. there until you can access it okay. upon retirement and yeah. um and that's obviously one of the restrictions yeah. with it so there's there's pros and cons to both sides and yeah. as I said there's multiple strategies multiple solutions yeah. and that's why it's highly recommended someone sits down with you know an yeah. advisor to work out what's best for their situation. Very smart. I guess smart for, I I think for me, I'd look at it and go, okay, later in life or as I get closer to that or if I just had enough cash flow where I'm Mm. like, what am I going to do with this money now? You know, then then that's a brilliant, um, brilliant strategy. Yeah. I like it. What about, so let's look at if it was a, a, yeah, because it's interesting to me that one actually because we bought, we own the office here. we it's just two separate offices. There's an off, office, an apartment, and a shop. All those basic bananas kind of headquarters, and so we own it all, um, but just bought it. Uh, so it's it's owned personally by us. I'm sure there's something we could probably do more clever around <laughs> taxes, but who knows? We just bought it, and, uh, <laughs> and there we go. And um, anyway, so let's say if it was a residential property. Mm-hmm. So what should we look for? Um, you know, any advice? around going to get a residential property, um, you know, what should we look for? Um, maybe even a scenario. What do you think if it's like someone that, you know, that gets a like a, a property they're looking for that might be around a $600,000 property or something like that, that, that they could potentially grab? Like 
what, sh- what should they do? Where should they start? What should they look for? Yeah. Um, what do they, should they expect as a return? Yeah. You know, what's realistic, yeah. what's garbage? Or... Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, so some of the fundamentals that we look at, and, um, and obviously we help people um, buy property as well as help them with their strategy and their property advice. Um, but some of the main things we look out for is, like what I touched on before, buying something in an area where there's very little supply of that particular property type. Mm-hmm. Um, so whether it's a house, they're not building a thousand other houses, um, you know, within 5Ks. If it's an apartment, they're not building um, 100 apartments around it. Because what you're trying to do is buy something that has scarcity value. Mm-hmm. And it's scarcity value that pushes prices up over time. Because again, it comes back to that supply and demand. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other big thing we look at is owner-occupier appeal. And so even if you're buying a property that's going to be an investment and you're going to rent it out to tenants, you want to buy something that in the future, owner-occupiers, first-time buyers or upgraders are going to fall in love with as well Mm. because it's the emotional buyer that pushes prices up. It's not your investors. So you get these big release areas that might have been marketed to investors and they all pile in and the prices kind of artificially inflate for about a year and then usually they come back off again because there's no emotional buyers there to sustain that price growth. But if you think about the areas that we've touched on, like your lifestyle areas, it's your first-time buyers, your upgraders, your families that are buying into those areas and they're the people that fall in love with a property and price mm. kind of goes out the window in a way. Mm, you, yeah. you know, and you fall in love, say, yeah, we'll pay an extra 50000 100000 because we love it. Mm. The investors don't do that because you're working from numbers and you've always got a cap that you're going to pay because mm. it's usually based on the rental return. So as an investor, as I say, it's best to buy something that in the future you can market it to a, an owner-occupier. And mm. that's usually the areas that show the better capital growth than others. Interesting. Go to places they'll fall in love with. Yeah. You need a lake with ducks in it and that's right. All the beach to the road. Yeah. 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 Good schools. I mean in Victoria and Australia um, and around Melbourne, the school catchments are a huge driver of price growth. Ah, and people will move or try and move one street to get into a better school catchment. And the price wow. difference from one street to the other could be two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars. So is that because of the the public schools within that that catchment area yeah. or something like that? Yeah, and much better huh. schools. And if you live in that area and then you get catchment into that yeah. school. And oh, um, awesome. it, it's happening more to an extent in, in Sydney, um, but that can be another another driver of, of price. Um, and uh, coming back to what to buy, um, I'm a big advocate of buying established properties. So not brand new, not off the plan, because there's inherent risks in that, especially with off the plan. You're signing a contract on a drawing, on a pretty picture, mm. and you're waiting two <laughs> years for the thing to be built, and it might take three years, four years, five years, and the builder goes... Um, bust and then you know you've just got a a mountain of problems with that and even if it is finished it might not be finished to the expectation that you had at the beginning Mm. Um, so there's it's just a higher risk investment and and usually you pay a premium for a brand new property as well it's just like buying a brand new car Mm. as soon as you've rolled out of the the uh the garage you know it's depreciated by 
10% and whatever it might be. The same applies to brand new property. So we're a big advocate of buying, you know, something a bit older and even something that you can do renovations to as well, whether it's just cosmetic, you know, changing mm. carpets, painting, putting a new kitchen in, you can make a world of difference and you can usually buy for a better price. Mm. And by following that strategy, um, you can build some equity into the property straight away because you might some, buy something that needs work doing to it. You might get it 50 grand less than, say, something um, around the corner, um, mm. put 10,000, 20,000 renovations in, and you've potentially you know, doubled your, your return mm. just by doing that. Um, and then the other thing is buying, if it's an apartment, say, buying into a smaller block. Um, and that might be a block of 6, 10, 12, usually anything up to kind of 20 or 30 is a good number. Okay. Once you start to buy an apartment in a big block of apartments, and we're talking 100, 200, 400, um, again, you're coming up with that issue of supply and demand. Um, from an investment um, perspective, you're buying that apartment, you're renting it out, you might get a tenant in for the first year, and then after the first year's come up, you're then advertising that for rent. Again, if you're in a massive block, you might have six, seven, eight other apartments all advertised for rent at the same time, mm. all exactly the same as one another. And you just in a you know in a world of competition um, where it puts a dampener on rental prices. Whereas if you own an apartment in a smaller block of four or six, you know, three quarters of them might be owner occupiers. There might only be two in there that are rented out. So chances are when yours comes up for rent, you've not got much else competition oh, there. Yeah. And that helps underline um, your rental growth each year because you want to be able to try put the rent up each year. Yeah. And it underlines the, the growth as well over yeah. time. But the big thing it comes back to is the value in property is in the land. It's not in the building. So when you buy a property, it's the land that goes up in value over time. Your building actually depreciates. Your building actually loses value, just mm. like your car does, because it's um, it's bricks and mortar. It's it's the thing that you can touch and feel, but it's the thing that um, does degrade over time. It's getting old, and it gets old, and you have to pet spend money to upgrade it, repair it. Yeah. But it's the land that you own, that you sit on, mm. is the thing that holds the value. So a big tip there for, for the listeners is, is when you're looking to buy something, you want to try and get as much land as possible because, you know, the more square meters you own, the more value you own. But a cautionary note with that one is, you know, the bigger the land's not always better. It depends where it is. So 100 square meters of land in Narrabeen close to the yeah. beach is worth a lot more per square meter than, say, what 1,000 square meters are. You know, two hours west in of the middle Sydney. of whoop whoop yeah. with nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> there. On, yeah. yeah, and a bad school. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, houses. Obviously, you <clears throat> you own the whole land underneath, mm -hmm. but apartments, you own a percentage of that block. Mm. So that's why, if you buy into a block of four, a block of six, you own a bigger percentage of the land underneath than if you buy in a block of say hundred. Mm. You only uh, own one percent of the land. Mm. underneath the, the building interesting yeah so it's a good good tip yeah yeah it's a good way to look at it i've never thought of it like that it's you know you think i own the apartment but yeah it's mm. really it really it's the uh the value in the land like like the around here 
the northern beaches where we are in, in Narrabeen on the northern beaches of Sydney, basic bananas headquarters and my home like is up on an ocean street, which is very, very nearby. Um, as I mentioned before, it's all close to the break and, uh, and the, um, but the, uh, the surf break, but the, uh, the, the market around here has gone up and up and up. The, um, I think uh, where we, we live, it's probably tripled in almost, um, what's it been, like nine years, almost 10 years. Uh, the, the original office here off the side, you know, I'm sure it's likely maybe doubled, maybe slightly less being commercial, might be close to double. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the new part of the office is brand new. But what about timing? Because at the moment in Australia, in well, in Sydney, I don't know, maybe the whole of Australia, it's doom and gloom is the news about property. Property is going to crash and it's going down and everyone has their two cents to throw in about how why it's going to crash or maybe that's all the media are hooking into. Um, and it has p- plateaued. I don't know if realistically where we are it can possibly go backwards. Um, but what sort of emphasis do you put on the looking at the market and, and when in the history of like what's a good time to buy? Like I want to know if you even care whether it's going up and down when, yeah. you, when you buy or um, and also if you do then, yeah, like in the history of things, like it might be now or it might be another 10 years when we see a cycle come around, how do you recognise a good cycle and when's a good time to buy? Yeah, no, so it's a good, uh, it's a good question. So it's the... The question of around time in the market, yeah, or uh, time in the market, and there's the two, there's the two angles. You know, to go for one or the other. Um, from an investment perspective, the longer you're in the market, the better. And I'm a big advocate of buying property that you can hold on to indefinitely. So mm. buy it with the intention of never selling it. Okay. Because if you never sell a property, you never pay capital gains tax. Um, mm. And if that pays you an income down the track, great. Um, some people might need to sell to be able to realize that gain. Um, but it's like compound growth. It's like interest on a bank account. The longer you own it, um, your capital growth just keeps compounding year after year after mm. year. And it becomes like a snowball effect. So you own it for five years, it doesn't really do much. You own it for 10 years, it goes up a bit. And 15, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm. Um, and that's that's a key key fundamental. But yeah, there's always cycles. Um, so as you, as you touched on, Sydney has had four years of astronomical growth, really. Um, most places have doubled in value in, in just four or five years. Mm. Um, and that's unsustainable. I mean, people say, oh, it's mm. going to carry on. It can never carry on at that rate of growth because prices will just go so far beyond what people can afford that no one's going to buy them um so it did you know it does have to cool down at some point and Mm. property markets always go through cycles just like financial markets you're always going to have your ups and downs um and so we are seeing you know a cooling a softening across sydney as an average um and there is a lot of doom and gloom in in the media and as we know from a from a marketing perspective, it's all about the headline. It's all about grabbing the attention of the reader or the listener, and so the media outlets out there will say, "Oh, it's the end of the world. The Sydney market is crashing." There's people out there who are going to predict predict it's going to drop by forty percent. People start reading into that and start believing that it's true. Mm. One of the biggest um, issues I have with that is that the media talk about one property market. We're here in Sydney and Australia, some media outlets talk about the one Australia property market. There's no such thing. 
they mm. talk about the one Sydney property market or the one Melbourne market. There's no such thing. There's markets within markets within markets. Um, you know, we've got hundreds of suburbs across Sydney. You've got different areas, all doing different things at different times. So we look at what I mentioned before, like apartments in Parramatta, where you've got a big growth area. There's a lot of new um, dwellings under construction. Prices have come back there by 10, 15%, probably in the last 12 months. Right. Um, and people that have bought off the plan units there are actually struggling to settle on them now mm. because the value is coming in mm. and valuing it for less. And so these people are out of pocket. Um, whereas you look at Manly on the Northern Beaches, um, as an average for the last year, houses have continued to grow in value there. So mm. even though the market, the, the broader market is softening, mm. you've got pockets that are still going up in value. So there's always places moving at different pace. And um, so it is, It is whilst you want to buy property for the long term and you want that time in the market, there is an element of time in the market as well. Mm. So one thing that we help clients with, when we've looked at their borrowing capacity, their cash flow um, ability, is to match a, not only a property type, but an area that suits them. So for a particular client, we might sit down with them and say, well, actually, you know, you can't afford to buy in Sydney now because the prices have grown so much. So we need to look further afield. And that's mm. where we might look to say Brisbane um, or Adelaide gotcha. or another market in, in another state um, that's moving in a different cycle. Mm. So really, it's only Sydney and Melbourne that have yeah, had gotcha. big growth over the last four or five years. Brisbane hasn't really done anything. In that time frame, they had the floods in um, 2011, which had a big impact on their property market. It's kind of recovered a bit since then, um, but there's not really been that much attention up there. Now we're starting to see that move because as people get priced out of Sydney and Melbourne, you get home buyers who you know decide they can't afford those two big cities. So let's have a sea change, a tree change up to Brisbane, Queensland, and we can buy, you know, a mansion for half the price that you can mm. in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and with a similar quality of life and, yeah. and what have you, the, the economy is improving up there. And then if and, enough um, of that happens in an area, then that area starts to that's rise right. and you get another little pocket up there, that's another right. shift. Yeah, and yeah. you get investors moving up there as well. And we're seeing yeah. that now as that investors are starting to yeah. really buy up in Brisbane. And again, that just creates that demand yeah. that pushes prices pushes it up, up. And you get another little shift up there. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Right. And a good way to look at it. So it's not the um, whole market going up or down. It's, it depends where you're looking. It's always yeah. going up or down, just depending on where you're exactly where you're uh, focusing. What about so? Let's say if it was someone who's new to it, what do they need to get like? Oh, like how much do they need to get started? Like, what would you say to someone? Look, they've got I don't know. You you can get access to this amount of money X Y Z. Like, what's a starting point for for you anyway? Say in this current market. Uh, they could be looking anywhere in Australia under your advice, how much money do they need to, to get started? Yeah, so I mean, if you're looking at um, Brisbane, for example, I mean, you can buy a good house up there for um, probably around 800,000. Um, and I'm talking good house within sort of seven Ks of the city. So we're kind wow. of talking, <laughs> you know, right. blue chip. We're kind of talking yeah. the equivalent of the eastern suburbs, the lower north shore of Sydney mm. um, for at least half the price of what it is wow. um, down here. And um, so, yeah, if you're looking at a purchase of around 800,000, ideally you want a minimum 
minimum of 20% um, deposit in there. Um, so obviously you're talking about 160,000 yeah. there. Depending on your cash flow and your buffers um, and obviously the bank or the mortgage bro- broker you're talking to, you can sometimes get away with 10% or 15% deposit. But again, that comes back to risk and you mm. know whether you've got enough buffer in there um, to sustain that. Um, and then you've got your other costs as well, like stamp duty, solicitor's fees. Mm. You, know, you might have a buyer's urgent fee in there if you get someone to, to help you. And um, so, yeah, so you could be looking around that sort of 200 to 250,000 mm-hmm. mark to get something, you know, pretty good up there. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's opportunities at lower price points than that. So we've helped clients from a strategy perspective um, who have then gone on to buy um, a house in, in regional Victoria. So as I mentioned before, likes of Geelong and you've got Bendigo, Ballarat. So it's sort of three big cities mm. outside of Melbourne. And there you can pick up houses between sort of 400, 500,000. Um, again, within kind of five to 10 cares of that smaller cities CBD. Nice. Um, so for that, you know, you might um, need 100,000 to get in, 120,000 um, to get in. It's still a big lump of money, um, but, you know, it wouldn't be investment if you didn't have to put money into it. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. This has been really, really valuable. It's actually interesting, very interesting to me, as I'm sure you're picking up, because I'm always curious about this, this yeah. kind of stuff and where to roll and where to to invest or how to move things in terms of um, investments. Because I look at property, I, I like I definitely think it's a, a solid thing, something I can get my head around. Uh, whereas things like stock market. Bitcoin, <laughs> don't crypto, get, don't, don't get me started. Currencies, yeah, like that. It's a, um, I, I can see it, and I see people make money. And also, of course, I've had a dabble in certain areas, and the cryptos. I have a, a pathetic portfolio of some things I've bought there that went really well, and then went terribly down. And so, um, but it all goes on confidence. I guess real estate goes on confidence as well. But I can see the, the the place and I can you know and everything you say makes sense you know so and with the advice of someone like yourself that's got experience with it uh it's you know a real human on the ground that's um got experience and yeah and I I know I have an asset that over time has a very good track record and worst comes to worst you sell it and it's it's still going to hold reasonable value as long as you've bought it in a decent area uh, you know following the guidelines you've suggested as well that's right um and when with the advice of someone like you, like I imagine it's very easy, um, giving you a shameless plug here, I imagine it's very easy for someone to make up, with your experience, make up any fee that would go to you. Like as an example, like yeah. why not when we're talking about $800,000 or even if it's 500000 if there's, you know, it's, it's going to well and truly cover a fee if we're going to cost ourselves whatever 200,000 down the track or more you know or like a a property that didn't grow it could have grown that's that's you know 10% a year over 10 years and suddenly we're well well, that would be over 100 you know you've over doubled you um versus something that stagnates yeah sits still or the rent rent doesn't go up or yeah you end up in a in a building with um like you said with 20 other apartments on the market at the same time or up for rent at the same time and you're suddenly competing against an abundance so yeah yeah that's right you've got to make um, good decisions and and before you get into property as well um, one of the biggest mm. things that I, that I said to people is that um, nearly 60% of first-time investors will actually sell their property before they've had it for five years 
And that's usually because they get to the third, fourth year and they realise, oh, well, this is costing us more than we thought it would. Mm. They're doing the tax returns. And, yeah, someone, you know, at a barbecue suggested this was a great property and um, it's actually not. We've got an absolute <laughs> lemon of a thing. And, um, you know, six of us bought into it and we're all losing money. Mm. We need to just get rid of it as quickly mm. as possible. And people who have that experience then get a distaste for investing in general not just property investing mm. and kind of go back into their shell and just carry on working or keep plugging away at the business and never really yeah. get ahead um so it's the people that really sit down and understand the numbers before they get into it and it's just like setting a marketing strategy or a business mm. strategy if you set the plan ahead like in 90 day plan you sit yeah. down and work out what we're going to do over the next 90 days same mm. with property what are we going to do over the next 15 years Mm -hmm. set the plan in place first, know what the expectation is, and then it's just a case of implementing it and, yeah. and monitoring it as well. Review yeah. it every year, make sure you're on target, and it's the people that do that that come out ahead mm. with, with property. Yeah, this has been been really, really valuable. You're, you're a member of the Basic Bananas, the community. What do they like to deal with? Uh, they're uh, unruly bunch, that's for sure. <laughs> But um, no, Bananas is uh, is great. So I've been involved for what, nearly two years now. Two years, and, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a great community to be a part of. And um, like yourself, a lot of people are interested in, in property. Um, here in Australia especially, it's become a national pastime. Mm. You know, it is the main barbecue topic that everyone loves <laughs> to talk about. You know, I bought a property here or did you hear about this guy? And, and um, so it is and it's, uh, it's great to be a part of. Yeah, it's awesome to have you as part of our, our uh, well, Genius Bunch, Clever Bunch, and then Genius Bunch, and part of the Basic Bananas community. It's uh, awesome to have people like yourself as part of our community. You bring um, experience and expertise that a lot of members are interested in as well. And uh, as you've mentioned, it, it's that's one of the cool things I love about our world at Basic Bananas. We get to work in it, brings people together that are clever across all different industries. And it's funny the things that happen and the crossover that happens. There'll be people uh, like members asking for, you know, advice. We're marketers, but they're suddenly asking for advice on it could be a property investor or it could be someone who's a, a trademark attorney or something, you know, and then they're giving their advice for free yeah. within our world and it's just like an extra value add to, to the people that we get, you know, are fortunate enough to get to work with um, like yourself and learning from each other and, um, different people across the board, so it's super cool. Thank you for yeah. being a you know one of our valuable members of the community as well at uh, Basic Bananas. And um, so, what about finding out more about you? So, let's say listener thinks this Michael guy sounds all right. I want to check him out. I want to stalk him a little bit. <laughs> Where can I suss him out? And uh, if I want to get in touch to maybe talk about getting an investment property what's what's the what like where should they go and, and what's the the deal there what's the process yeah no, absolutely you can do some stalking online for sure um yeah, google will find a few results there but uh yeah the main place to go to is our website which is uh, strandpropertygroup.com.au and um yeah we've got a bit of information on there we've got uh, regular blog articles we write about the market what's happening in the industry um, there's a free resource on there that people can download and um, it's got all the contact details on there. And um, yeah, if anybody wants to ask any questions, then um, yeah, feel free. Perfect. That's awesome. And, um, so strandpropertygroup.com.au. And uh, 
So jump on the URL. I'll also pop that. We'll pop that in the show notes. So if you're listening to this episode on a mobile device, you might be on uh, iPhone on the podcast app or you might be on Stitcher or on anything else. And uh, we'll put the, the links in the show notes. So you can simply open the show notes on your podcast app and you'll be able to find the URL in there. And uh, thanks again. This um, has been awesome. So oh, really valuable you. content and uh, uh, great advice for all of our listeners. I do recommend reaching out to Michael for sure if uh, you're in a position or you want to know if you're in a position uh, even to uh, to grab some investment property. Great. So, thanks Thank again, Christo. Yeah, cheers. To get more from Basic Bananas and to learn new ways to grow your business with clever marketing, visit basicbananas.com.